0: Welcome to an all-new episode of Get Lit with Liana, the podcast. Join me as I sit down with a new guest author in each episode to discuss their books, careers, and everything in between. joined by leading queer romance author allison cochran who wrote the new book kiss her once for me this is one of the best holiday romances you will read this year her first book the charm offensive made waves all over the internet and she's back with her new book that i'm so excited for you all to read in this chat we talked about the importance of telling lgbtq stories our favorite tropes in books the best moments from this story and what allison hopes readers will take away from this book also we got a little sneak peek of her upcoming book that's coming out next march So without further ado, my conversation with author Alison Cochran starts right now. Welcome, Allison, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I loved, loved, loved Kiss Her Once for me. So I'm so excited to chat with you about this book. But before we get into the story and some of my favorite moments from this book, I would love to know a bit more about you and how you became an author. So before we start, can you just share with me a little bit about like the genesis of your career and how maybe you started writing, got a pub deal?
1: Um, well, if you want to talk about like how I started writing, it was with a riveting piece of Barney the Dinosaur fanfic that I wrote in first grade. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like writing books is amazing. Obviously it was, it was really a sophisticated <laughs> piece of literature. right? Um, and so like I wrote my whole life um, pretty much. And then in terms of becoming like a, a published author. So I was a high school English teacher for 11 years. Wow. Um, I was like my main career. Um, and then I like did a lot of writing mostly for myself, like on summer vacation and, and winter break. Cause that was a nice part about being a teacher, but yeah, it was also a, like an incredibly busy job. And so I didn't have a ton of time for writing. And then, uh, at the beginning of the summer of 2019, I like had the idea for the charm offensive, which was my first book. Yeah. I like wrote it very fast. And then was like, Hey, like, I don't know, maybe this is okay. Maybe like other people would want to read this. Um, and so then I like set about the process of of querying to find an agent. Um, and I like really didn't know like anything about the publication process. And I didn't have any friends who were writers. Um, and so I got really lucky to kind of have a fairly traditional path to publication from there.
0: Right. So what, what was that process like you kind of just happened really quick or was it a long process?
1: Um, it it is a long process. Um, I think for most people. So I, um, started querying agents in, uh, September of 2019. Um, and then I ended up signing with my agent in November of 2019, which was like, so that part really was not that bad. Um, that's a pretty fast turnaround. Um, and then my agent and I spent like four months, um, just revising and revising and doing like developmental edit after developmental edit to get it in good shape before we began the process of submitting to publishers, which is the the next step. Um, and so my agent ended up taking, uh, the charm offensive out on sub in April of 2020. So just like weeks after the world shut down. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I, um, signed, um, or accepted an offer for publication from Atria and Simon & Schuster uh, in June of 2020.
0: Insane. So I love that we were talking about The Trap Offensive because when that book came out, it just like took the internet by storm. I feel like everybody was talking about it and it's such an amazing concept. And obviously we're going to talk about Kisser once for me, but for those who haven't read it, can you just give like a little blurb about what that book is about? Because it's such an incredible idea. And as somebody who's obsessed with reality TV, like this book just like speaks to me on another level.
1: Yeah, the most like straightforward pitch is just The Bachelor, but make it gay. Yeah. Um, And the like slightly longer pitch is that it's about this sort of, uh, disgraced tech genius who, um, in an attempt to salvage his reputation, um, his public image, he agrees to be the star of a reality dating show. And in that process, um, instead of finding love with the 20 female contestants who have come there to win his heart, um, he ends up falling for
0: his male producer. It's incredible. What was it like writing an MM romance and now writing an FF romance? Like, was that transition challenging for you as a writer? I can't imagine that like, it's obviously not the same type of story, but at the end of the day, they're both love stories. So what was that difference like? Yeah. I think in terms of like the writing itself,
1: they aren't really different. Mm -hmm. Um, it's more like, so I wrote the charm offensive, like before I had come out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like writing a book that was an MM love story, being able to like disguise myself as this like <laughs> tech genius with like an eight pack. Like I was like, haha, no one will ever know that's me. Um, <laughs> and so it was a little bit like I was able to distance myself while also being like deeply personal about right. kind of my own journey um, for figuring out that, that I'm gay. And so um, that was really different because like that was a really important process and it was still really like, um, vulnerable and revealing. Cause obviously like I came out after reading it. Um, okay. but with, with kisser ones for me, it was like my first opportunity to write a book about like women falling in love. And obviously like that felt even more personal Right. Um, to kind of be like, this is, this is my heart. This is what I would like. Here is my wish right. fulfillment of like a romantic relationship. Um, and putting that out into the world was, um, I don't want to say scary, but it definitely like the rioting process felt more, um, felt more exposed.
0: Yeah. Way more vulnerable for sure. And there's just been like very recently, I feel, a way bigger boom in like queer love stories, especially ones that are just getting so much more mainstream love. Do you feel the pressure now with being one of those like authors that I feel like if you look up like on Goodreads, for example, like top LGBTQ romance books, like The Charm Offensive is up there, like Kiss Her Once for Me will be up there like next week, you know, like do you feel pressure now knowing that this is such like... Oh, there are stories that everyone is kind of craving, and you're kind of one of those leaders now that are writing those types of stories or those most like sought after authors.
1: I think what's scary or like the the hard challenge is that I I wrote the Charm Offensive and like truly like didn't think anyone else would read it. Like most of the time on my journey to publication, I was like, oh my gosh, like only my parents are going to read it. Like I'm gonna sell <laughs> ten copies, um, and then. And then it turned out to be like quite beloved and like yeah. people who have read it have responded like in a very intense way to it. Um, and it, it was really emotional for a lot of people. And so I think the the only scary part was this idea of like writing a second book and knowing that like that mm-hmm. was people's perception or experience of my first book um, right. and feeling a lot of that, you know, when you write a first book, there's nothing to compare it to. You haven't written anything else. Right. Um, but then of course, as soon as you start writing a second book and a third, like there. are
0: it's always going to be this natural comparison to your previous work. Right. Okay. So the fear was more in like, not the fear, but more of like, I guess, like the anticipation of like writing a sophomore book rather than just the genre in general is more of what the anxiety came from writing this book.
1: I think so. Oh, yeah. And I would straight up call it fear. Like um, it took a <laughs> lot of therapy for me to like be able to write this book. Oh my um, gosh. And I think, yeah, I think in the genre, the anxiety is not there as much because it's just so amazing to see like so many different people writing queer love stories and like mm-hmm. seeing, um, more representation within the romance genre. Um, I don't know. It's just, that part is so lovely and beautiful and 100%. yeah, that part doesn't stress me out as much. It's more just this, like, yeah, I think this, uh, the self comparison, right. I mean, anytime you're sharing your, your art with people, I think, yeah. um, that comes into play.
0: A hundred percent. So when I read the little blurb about this book, I was like, oh my God, a queer like holiday rom-com, sign me up. Like where, like, where can I get my copy ASAP? I loved it from start to finish. But before we talk about it, can you just give a little rundown about what this book is about for those who haven't read it? I know it's like kind of a bit of a longer spiel than the charm offensive, but if we could just like do our best.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it definitely is a longer spiel. And like, I haven't perfected it as much yet. Okay, um, that's fine. I mean, if I wanted to like try to distill it down as much as possible, I would say like gay while you were sleeping, because uh, <laughs> that is what inspired me to write this book. Love I that The nineties classic, um, while you were sleeping, but the, the kind of bigger picture is that it is, um, about a young woman who is kind of having, um, her life is like kind of falling apart. Um, and she has been fired from her dream job and she has really estranged relationships with her parents who suck. Um, and she's just like not in a great place with, with her mental health and with like taking care of her mental health. Um, and so naturally she does what you do when you're like broke and depressed. Um, she agrees to a fake engagement with, um, this man who uh, is set to inherit a lot of money, like once he gets married and is willing to to share that with her. And so it's sort of a fake dating slash like marriage of convenience, except the the twist is they go to his family's cabin for Christmas to like sell this whole ruse. And it turns out uh, she knows his sister um, from her past um, and they had a relationship. And so it's actually about, um, yeah, her falling in love with
0: his sister. Hmm. I loved the twist. Like I obviously kind of saw it coming. Like at the beginning, like you kind of realize that that's what's happening. But the way that you like flash back and forward in the times to give both like Jack and Ellie's story and then get like Andrew and and Ellie. I loved that technique. Was it fun to write that? And did you write it in order? Or did you write like there like Jack and Ellie first and then Ellie and Andrew? Like how did you write it? Uh,
1: chaotically um oh, okay. cuz yeah <laughs> drafting this book was just like a straight up hot mess. Um I realized at some point that like I I think it was the first time I wrote um there were no flashbacks in the original draft and I wrote uh Jack and Ellie meeting for the first time and I just realized like that they needed to know we they needed to have history. Like I wrote this whole scene where they met um and it just felt like I wanted them to have history. Like I felt like that needed to be part of the story. And so I decided to have it so that they already knew each other, um, and did not expect to be reunited through okay. Jack's brother, Andrew. Um, and then once I did that, I think I wrote the first flashback that I wrote was their meet cute scene in Powell's. And I kind of just wrote it for myself just to like see, um, what their relationship looked like in the past. Okay, And I had so much fun doing that, that I kind of just like kept writing them um and eventually just <laughs> yeah decided to to have all of these flashbacks um and kind of it's not quite a dual timeline um but there are flashbacks like interwoven throughout the story mm-hmm. to give us Jack and Ellie's past um but yeah no I wrote them like in just wacky or like all Crazy. over the place
0: well, you wove it yeah. together so seamlessly, but you just mentioned the meet cute. And I feel like we need to address this because I think this could be one of my favorite meet cutes that I've read in 2022. And I was actually reading Goodreads, like reviews after I read and rated the book. And I just wanted to see what like people that I know what, that have read it, what they thought and across the board, everyone is just the first thing is like best meat cute. Like mm-hmm. everyone is dying over this meet cute. How did you come up with the concept? Was it really fun to write? Have you heard other people mention that they love this meat cute too yet?
1: Yeah, I've heard that from, like, I mean, it's definitely, so they meet in a bookstore, I guess, for listeners who have yeah. not. It. They, <laughs> they meet specifically in Powell City of Books, which is a very famous bookstore in Portland. And pretty much as soon as I had decided to set the book in Portland and decided to do flashbacks, like, I knew that was going to be the location of their meet cute because, yeah. like, I am a Portland lesbian. So, like, of course, that's my dream, too, like, meeting <laughs> someone in a bookstore. Um, and so I... Yeah, that was how I kind of came to that decision for the scene. Um, And and yes, of course, like all the book nerds and book lovers are like, oh, my gosh, they meet in a bookstore. It's so cute.
0: It's so cute. Like, I think anybody, regardless of like your sexual orientation, like that's the kind of you want to be swept off your feet in a bookstore. Like, who doesn't want that?
1: Yeah. Literally. I don't know. Monsters. It's
0: yeah, not normal humans. That's for sure. No, but it's so, so cute. And another thing I loved about this book are all of the tropes that you use, like from fake dating to like, obviously kind of like the dual point of view or the whatever, however you want to say the, sorry, the dual timeline, like what tropes were so fun for you to write into the story. And did you kind of think about them before you, the story came to you? Or were you like, as you're writing it, I was like, Oh, I could throw this in, or this would work well here.
1: Yeah. So the, the main terms of the story, literally, I just stole from while you were sleeping. So okay. I had the idea to write this. Um, it was literally right after I signed the contract for my first book. Okay. Um, and then I, we were waiting, right? Because my editor needed time to to do developmental edits and give me an edit letter back. And so right. my agent was like, okay, Caitlin is going to have a couple months to do that. What are you writing next? Um, and I had to like literally week, like I had just gotten the book deal. I thought like, that's it. I've done the thing. Um, And then I had to write another book and I, it was like June of 2020 and I hadn't talked to anyone except my sister and my dog. Like we were in lockdown (laughs) Um, and I had like no ideas. And so I I ended up just like kind of thinking like, okay, what are some of the like rom-coms that got me really excited about the genre? And, and while you were sleeping starring Sandra Bullock was like my favorite movie when I was like 10, I can't, that's an iconic movie. So good. I yeah. still watch it like all the time. Um, and it's just wonderful. And so I was like, but like I could just make that gay. Um, <laughs> so that's how my creative process obviously works. I love so just, that like, Take something I love and then like make it gay instead. I love that. Um, but I so the tropes, um, like the only tropes I thought of consciously were the ones that were already in that movie because okay. I was like, okay, I have to like that's what happens in the movie. There's like this fake engagement. Um, and so I'll just like boop, like steal Stop that it. trope. Right. Um, uh-huh. uh, but otherwise I don't tend to think super consciously about tropes when I'm writing. I definitely do like more now, okay. uh, when I wrote charm, I like, I didn't like intentionally put any tropes in it because like I, I was just writing it for myself. Um, mm-hmm. and it didn't occur to me. Right. Um, but yeah, in general, I feel like with tropes, um, I don't know. I like to kind of play around with them. Like, I love that while you were sleeping is like a fake dating, except oops, like she falls for someone else. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that I,
0: I really enjoy doing. As a, as a reader though, like what are books that you're cu- like currently gravitating to and like the romance genre, like what are some of the tropes that maybe you like really love to read?
1: Um, well, I don't usually like, the I'm going to sound like the monster now. I don't usually love grumpy sunshine that much.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I know that's like really controversial. Yeah. That is I'm reading, controversial. Yeah. I know. I'm so sorry to, and like so many people do it incredibly well. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. So, but I'm it's reading right mind. now. Okay. Um, uh, the very secret society of Irregular Witches. Yes. And it's
0: so good. And it's not technically a romance, but it has like a grumpy- Romantic elements. Theory. Doesn't have yeah. romantic elements in it. I haven't read it yet, but it's actually on my, it was on my October list and then October slipped on for me and now here we are, but yeah.
1: It's lovely. I highly recommend it. I'm listening to the audiobook. I'm almost done. And it's like so cozy and- Okay, I love. Like delightful. Um, But yeah, it, to me, it, it hits romance beats. It just also like has a lot of other- plot things going right. on. Um, but yeah, that's what I love. And like, I love plenty of Grumpy's Sunshine books. Um, yeah. Like I, one of my favorites is, uh, Eve Brown. So I cannot, why awesome. can't I think
0: of the, the yeah. beginning of that? Title. After age,
1: after age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. It's yeah. just like incredible. Um, so I don't know why I started talking about ones I don't like. Um, I <laughs> love, <laughs> I tend to gravitate more towards like chaos order pairings like as opposed to grumpy sunshine like I want someone who is like really anxious and neurotic and uptight to then like be paired with someone who is just like a chaos tornado um oh my god Okay. in writing and reading like I enjoy that pairing okay um I love enemies to lovers I think my like YA fantasy origins um I'm always looking for someone who can just like nail enemies to lovers. And- I feel that.
0: I feel that on like a deep level. I feel that I love enemies to lovers, but wait, speaking of you love like chaotic characters and you love like an anxious person. Another part of your book, this book in particular that I love is the mental health rep. And it's obviously very important. Every, I feel like a lot of books these days are incorporating these like very dynamic and real characters that are layered and are not just like perfect cookie cutter fictional people that like couldn't exist in the real world. Why was that important for you to create with your characters to have that ADHD rep and that anxiety rep, panic attacks, like in, in this story specifically?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so like when I wrote, again, to talk about my first book, sorry, yeah, um, no. I wrote
0: my first book, like without intending
1: to, because I, I wrote the first draft of that so quickly. Um, I ended up writing like mostly a book about mental health. Like the first draft I was like, is this a romance? It's really only about mental health. Oh my. Um, and I think that I, I did that because like that was something that I needed to work through. So in the right. same way that my uh, my first book allowed me to come out and like be honest and like authentic with the people in my life, yeah. um, my that book also allowed me to like get back into therapy because um, I had been <laughs> avoiding therapy and like not taking care of my generalized anxiety disorder. Like I, you know, have had depression since I was like nine and those were things that I had like really neglected in my mm-hmm. 20s. And so, um, so much of my life now, uh, you know, in the time that I have been a writer has been like my own journey to get healthy. And like, um, like I'm like write or die for my therapist. I think that I love that amazing person. Um, and a lot of the times I feel like when I'm writing, including in kiss her once for me with Ellie's anxiety, I'm also just sort of like processing my own mental health, um, struggles. Mm-hmm. And I think like with Ellie, uh, you know, she has like very exaggerated anxiety, um, but like, she is also very much me when I am <laughs> not taking care of myself. Right. So she's okay. not me like now in this moment of my life um, where I'm like properly medicated and uh, <laughs> things are feeling good. Uh, but she is, she is me. Like when, you know, when I don't take care of myself with like right. an emotional support, heating pad and like, you know, kind of like stagnation. I- right. and- yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think writing about it, it just like, I'm answering your question terribly, (laughs) but you're not, you're not, you're not at all. It's just, um, like such an inextricable part of my life. Like it's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to not live with, um, you know, not to be someone who struggles with her mental health and also Mm -hmm. is like neurodivergent. And my my partner, um, likewise Mm -hmm. is on a mental health journey and like is neurodivergent. And so Mm -hmm. I think like to me, that's just I don't know, just part of it. And it would be hard for me, I think, to write these characters who are like,
0: I don't know. Not not real life people. That that's what I really love not, about. It. Yeah, not myself. I guess like
1: because there are. I think there are real life people who don't struggle with mental health. Like I've heard of it. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> they're somewhere. Big, <laughs> they're out there though. <laughs> um, they're not in Portland. I'll tell you that. But like, I uh, I feel like it's just not for me. Like it's harder for me to imagine what that love story would look like. Right. Um,
0: I also just think that there's plenty and plenty and plenty of love stories like that out there that have been written and they're fabulous and they're great. But we need more stories that show more authentic people, more diverse people, people that have different types of struggles. And that's what I really loved about this story in particular. So I just I needed to ask you about that. But before we wrap this up, I need to know what you're working on next. Like, what are you, what's the situation? Like I, I need another book soon. I hope something's coming soon. What's going on? Um,
1: okay. Well, you might have to <laughs> like a like a little tiny bit because my oh. third book will come out. I know, I'm sorry, in March of 2024. Oh my God, um, my birthday munch. Happy birthday. Yeah, I did that just for you. Thank um, you so much. You're yeah um so it's really it's not that long it's only like 16 months and um yeah compared to I think 14 months between uh book one and book two but yeah anyway that is all me trying to apologize for how long it's going to be a severe depressive episode this past spring and I was like oh all my deadlines got messed up but anyway um, I am really happy and excited about my third book um so it's Called um, here we go again, and it is a sapphic road trip rom com. Um, I pitched it to my agent as a sapphic road trip rom com about death, um, and I was like, Shh, I know. And my agent was like, Love it, let's do it. <laughs> I was Like I promise, like it'll still be funny, and like they'll fall in love, but also like death will be a huge piece. So it's about these wow. two women who um, were childhood best friends. They grew up in the same you know small town in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and then like something happened between them and, uh, they, they became rivals and grew apart. Um, and yet all these years later, um, they both end up back in their small town and they're both teachers. Uh, oh and they are, they're thrown together, um, when their former high school English teacher, who was like a huge role model and mentor to both of them, uh, tells them that his dying wish is to take a road trip from Washington state where they live, um, to Maine, oh my gosh! Um, so that he, cause he is dying of pancreatic cancer. And so, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know that sounds really heavy, but basically heavy. it's these two women who like quote unquote hate each other, but they don't. Um, they just have like unresolved history, uh, stuck in a car with like 64 year old man who is dying and a dog. <laughs> um, and they just like drive across the country, um, and end up like, wildly off track, like, and just,
0: um, that sounds so, was that like so fun for you to write? That sounds like it's like beyond fun.
1: Well, I am still very much actively writing it. Um, Oh my God. Okay. Okay. I, uh, but I'm loving it. It's going so great. I am having such a fun time. I had to rewrite and by had to, I mean like I'm neurotic. So I'm rewriting the middle of the book, uh, (laughs) right now. And It's going like fantastic and I'm just falling like more and more in love with the characters. Um, And so I'm super excited.
0: That sounds incredible. I love when there's like a sad story, but like the writer is able to make a sad situation funny, like pull those comedic elements. Those are some of my favorite types of books. So that sounds like it's on my alley. Perfect newly made for me and in my birthday month. So I'm so excited. Excellent. Sign me up for the arc now. Perfect. Hopefully I I will
1: like navigate that line between yeah, the the sad bits and then like also just the ridiculously funny bits.
0: I'm so excited. That's amazing. Okay. So now this book, by the time this podcast is out, Kisser Ones for Me will be out. What are you hoping people take away from this story?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, on the one hand, like um, I'm not great at writing things that are like purely happy um, if you haven't noticed. So all of my books are like a little bit angsty. (laughs) um with Kisser, ones for me like I I hope that people get like a cozy holiday feel from it like I hope some people just read it and are like oh the holidays yeah um (laughs) but I think if like there's something I I really want people to take away like the book deals a lot with the fear of failure Mm -hmm. um and so the main character you know she got fired from her dream job as an animator um and now like basically thinks that she like can't do art anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and she's kind of given up on, on life, um, and allowed a, a fear of failure to kind of, um, paralyze her, yeah. um, and make her unable to move forward in her life. And I think if there's something that I, I want people to take from this book, it's that, um, you know, that failure is both a part of life and also like generally worth the risk and you know based on how you define it and I think yeah that I I would love for people to to kind of recognize that like it sometimes it's worth it it's worth it to put yourself out there even if you fall like it's worth it to just try um yeah and so yeah
0: I think we all need like that kind of message heading into the new year. Also, like that was something also that when I was reading the book, I kind of took from it is like like, got to kind of, sometimes you just got to like risk it for the biscuit, you know, and see what happens. And it's like, I've
1: uh, never heard the phrase
0: risk it for the biscuit, but I will now
1: be stealing that. And that is how I will um, label <laughs> the theme of this book. So thank you, Liana, for giving that to me You're um, so welcome. in all future interviews, I will say the, the theme is risk it for the biscuit.
0: Yeah. Listen, you never know what the payoff will be, you know? So you just got to put all your eggs in that basket and see. That's fun. Okay. Thank you so much for chatting with me. It was so nice getting to talk to you and obviously getting to talk about this book. I'm so excited for everyone to read it. I hope they love it as much as I do. And they get all the cozy rom-com feels, but also feel empowered to just like do what they want to do. Thank you so, so
1: Thank much you. for having me. This was so much. Thanks. Take care. Take care.